Okay, we are doing Dav Kuf Nun Zayin. We're starting right from the bottom of Kuf Nun Vavim Beis. And the context here in the Gemara is, is the halacha like Rabbi Huda or is the halacha like Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon have a machlok, in the laws of Muksa. Uh, Rabbi Yehuda has a much stricter definition of, of Muksa, where he holds that things that aren't totally muhan from before Shabbos are forbidden to be moved on Shabbos. And Rabbi Shimon holds that is a little bit looser, a little bit more makel, that as long as things are somewhat suitable, even if they weren't totally prepared before Shabbos, then um, they're not muksa. And there are many different circumstances of the machlokas like we've seen. But in general, that's the machlokas. Just one example like we had here in the Mishnah was what's say an animal died on Shabbos. So could you get, feed the carcass to the dog? On the one hand, now it's suitable for dog. But on the other hand, when Shabbos began and the animal was alive, it wasn't, it wasn't really... Set. It wasn't ready to be animal food. So now that on Shabbos it's becoming animal food, that's in a certain way a switch. It's a transition from the state of the food to the state of the carcass now that it's dead. So maybe it's maksa. So we have a machlokas in the Amaram. Now, how do we pass it? Do we pass it like Rabbi Huda or do we pass it like Rabbi Shimon? So starting on the bottom of Kukhun Vav and Beis, the Gemara says, Biochan also says, Allah is like Rabbi Shimon, that we are lenient, a looser definition of maksa. So the Gemara asks, Me Amar Biochan does Rabbi Yechanan say this? Mishnah. says the halacha follows a stam Mishnah, like whatever is said in anonymously in a Mishnah we paskin like Utanan, and we learned in the Mishnah, you're not allowed to break apart wood from beams. In other words, anyantif. A person needs firewood. Anyantif. So you could use wood. Wood is not muksa as long as it's only to be firewood. But let's say you have um you have a, a set of wood that's been set aside for usage for construction, like beams that you're going to build into a house. Suddenly, a person is desperate for firewood on Yantif, so they can't they can't break apart they can't break apart the um, the the beams on Yantif and 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 start using them for firewood. You're not allowed to do that. But or from a beam a beam that broke itself on Yantif, you're not allowed to um, use the wood for firewood. What's the idea? Why not? Must be because it wasn't it wasn't set aside. It wasn't designated for that. When Yantif began, these things were only for construction. So since when Yantif began, these things were only for construction. So then you can't um, suddenly use them now for firewood, so even though right now that's what they were usable for. There, you could be suitable for it if you break it. Now it's usable usable for for firewood. Or if it was if the beam broke already, it's then certainly it's suitable for firewood. Still, the halacha is that it's muksa. You're not allowed to use it. So this is a stam tana. It's a stam mishnah, and clearly it's going like the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So how could Rabbi Yochanan say that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Yochanan says there's a general rule that halacha is stam mishnah. That halacha follows the anonymous mishnah. So if the halacha here, like the stam mishnah, is that um, that like Rabbi Yehuda that we are strict? How could we say that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon? So the Gemara answers Rabbi Yochanan. Who Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yisrael? He didn't have in his text, in his tradition of the text. It didn't just say in the Stam Mishnah that we say it's it, that we say it's um, that we say you can't use it. It said specifically this is the opinion of Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda. So it's not a Stam Mishnah at all. So actually, it could be that the opinion of the Stam Mishnahis might be like like like, like Rabbi Shimon, and that's how it's a possible that Rabbi Yochanan could be could be poskening. Like Rabbi Shimon, everything's okay with that. That actually is not a Stam Mishnah there at all. So the Gemara now has another Stam Mishnah, which seems to be not like Rabbi Shimon. It says the Gemara Tashma, it says that you could use a stack of straw. Again, you're looking for fuel on Yantif. So you could begin with a stack of straw on, on Yantif. You could take some of the straw, but usually it had been set aside for animal food, and you want to take some of the straw off to go use it for firewood. So you could do that. You can't use wood that is sitting in the backyard. You can't do such a thing. What's the idea? Because the the, the wood, the, the muksa, what's been set out over there, 
is because it's, it's, it's set aside for storage. You're not planning on using it for the firewood. So now suddenly you're switching. Now suddenly you're switching and you want to use it for the firewood on, on Yantif. So you're not allowed to do that. That would be Muksa. So this seems like a stop. This is a stop Mishnah. And the stop Mishnah here is going like Rabbi Yehuda. And so how could Rabbi Yochanan pass in like Rabbi Shimon if Rabbi Yochanan always says halacha kistam Mishnah? And here in the Stam Mishnah, we see the idea reflected that uh, of a stricter definition of muksa. So the Gemara answers, There we're not talking about any regular wood. We're talking about specifically a very expensive wood. Uh, we're talking about a, spe- a special type of cedar, cedar tree. The muksa machmatz chesron kis. The idea is that it's muksa machmatz chesron kis. Chesron kis is a special category of muksa, which even Rabbi Shimon agrees to. And the idea of chesron kis is that it's it's going to be a big monetary loss to use it for something else. So you, these are types of things that you would once they're designated to be used for what they are, you would only use it for that thing. You would never use it for anything else. Ever. So that's a type of muksa that even Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon would agree to, um, and that's the problem. So there, even Rabbi Shimon would agree, and that's why you don't have a Stam Mishnah that's not like Rabbi Shimon. The Stam Mishnah there in no way is against Rabbi Shimon. It actually could go like him, and we could still affirm Rabbi Yochanan Paskin like Rabbi Shimon. Says the Gemara, another Stam Mishnah that seems to go not like Rabbi Shimon Tashimah, it says in the Mishnah, Ein mashkin Yantif, Right, so an animal is not muksa because you could shakti. So as long as it's an animal that you could that you could shakti radically and eat, you're allowed to shakti on So an animal wouldn't be muksa. So it says that you're not allowed to water or slaughter an animal that goes out and hangs out far away from the house, like a, like a, it hangs away, it hangs around in the midbar. But the reason being is because since it hangs around in the midbar, it's far away, so it's not designated to be used. You could water and shakt in the bisos. Bisos are more animals that hang around the house more. So those are the ones that would be all made for shlita, whereas the ones that hang around farther out, away from the house, those are the ones that are not all made for shlita. So here, this is, again, this is, seems to be only like Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Shimon, bottom line is either animal is suitable for, for shlita. So why would we be distinguishing between whether it hangs out close to the house or not? Most people are going like, we're going like Rabbi Yehuda with the stricter definition of muksa. And even though technically it's suitable, but since they're far away, so then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be allowed. So we have a stamishin that seems to go like Rabbi Yehuda. And so, again, the question is, how could Rabbi Yochanan pass in like the lenient opinion of Rabbi, of, of Rabbi Shimon? So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan had another stam Mishnah. And he, he actually felt that it was a, a conflicting stam Mishnah. Sometimes you have a stam Mishnah that says like Rabbi Yehuda, but he thought he had another stam Mishnah which passed in like Rabbi Shimon. So then it's open game and he could pass in like Rabbi Shimon. Where's the stam Mishnah that's like Rabbi Shimon? It says, and this is a Mishnah we had back on the Kof Mem Gimel. Vishamayam says, You're allowed to remove bones and the shells from the table on Shabbos, even with your hands. So again, pastures, we're talking about that the bones are no longer fit for humans, but they could theoretically be used as animal food. But when Shabbos began, they weren't designated to be used for, 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 for animal food because they were part of the, they were the shell of the food there. So, 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 so one opinion here, Beishama is saying they're not moksa because bottom line is right now they're suitable for animals. But Beishama says, no, strict. You have to pick up the whole board and shake them off, but you can't take them off directly with your hands because it would be moksa. What's the idea that it would be moksa? The idea would be that um, even though now it's suitable for animals, but when Shabbos began, when it, um, it wasn't all made for that. So therefore, it's, it, we view it as muksa for the whole Shabbos. So it looks like Beishil, Beishilel 
is strict like the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and Beishamai is lenient like the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. But when we learned that mission, Rabbi Nachman said, Anu ain lanu. We, we don't have the correct text in the, in the Gersa here. Really, the Gersa should be the other way. It should be Beishamai like Rabbi Yehuda. Beishamai was like Rabbi Yehuda, and it's Aser to move the bones in the shell. So Beishamai like Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Shimon and his mother. So in this version, Beishamai holds like Rabbi Shimon. So that's a stam, that's basically equivalent to a stam Mishnah that holds like Rabbi Shimon because you have Beishamai going like Rabbi Shimon. So in this way, it makes sense that now Rabbi Yochanan could pass on like Rabbi Shimon because even though we had a stam Mishnah, that Paskins like Rabbi Yehuda, that other Stam Mishnah that we were talking about, about the shechting the animals that are far away from the house versus animals that are close. But here we have another Stam Mishnah. Here we have another Stam Mishnah, which seems to go like the opinion of uh, of, 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 of Rabbi Shimon, Beisila, that you're allowed to move away the hoss and the shells, according to the gear, so that we have it, that Beisila is allowing it. And Allah was always like Beisila, so that's like a Stam Mishnah, Hosea Beisila. So Rabbi Yochanan, therefore, was able to say that the halacha is in accordance with um, with Rabbi Shimon. Okay, so what's the bottom line Allah And now we get more machlokas about the bottom line Allah and Muksa. Pligi Rav Achim Ravina, Rav Achim Ravina argued about the Halacha and Muksa. Kadam, I want to say, Bechol Shabbos, Halacha Rabbi Shimon. Normally, what all Halachas on Shabbos, Halachas like Rabbi Shimon, in terms of Muksa. Mabar, I mean, Muksa Machmas Mias. Except for Muksa Machmas Mias, meaning something you have a Kli, but it's usually in a repulsive thing. Like, let's say, a really gross earthenware a really gross earthenware clay that, that you know uh, that's used for candles. So you wouldn't use it for anything but candle. It's too gross. You wouldn't use it for anything else. So if you use it, wouldn't use it for anything else besides the candle. So then it would be meals to use it for any other usage, even though technically it's a clay, so it has a din of muksa. So that's one example of the category of muksa where the Gemara is trying to say where even Reb Shimon would concede to that point. Um, mind you, what's the example? It says Gemara Nariyashin. Let's say you have an old earthenware clay. Uh, lamp that's that's really gross to use for anything else. That would be something that even the most lenient opinion of Reb Shimon would concede that it's moksa. But the other opinion said, but moksa machas means not Reb Shimon. No, actually, even in that case of the repulsive lamp, if you want to move it, it's a kli. You can move it for other things like Reb Shimon. Avar moksa machmas iser. Except actually, for moksa machas iser, moksa machas iser means that it was a kli. But when Shabbos began, it was in a state that it would, in order to, to access it, you'd have to do something that's awesome. Mind you, what would example be? There should leak about Shabbos, a lamp which you had been lit on that Shabbos. So if you'd want to access the oil, you would have to do something that's awesome. You'd have to put out, you'd have to put out the uh, the candle. So since there's actually an Isra involved to go do it, so that's something that a person mentally just stays away from completely. There should leak about also Shabbos. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, fine. Even though the fire went out, it's considered. And therefore, it would be us, or we're going to pass him like that. Now, those are the things we're trying to figure out how we pass him. Says the Gemara, in regards to the category of, of Moksa, that's kiss, where it's like those fancy cedar beams or something like that. There, I feel a Reb Shimon mode that that's not even a machlokas. Even Reb Shimon agrees to that. It's not because we learned in the Mishnah, that Reb Shimon says you can move all Caleb except for the special, like plow and the special saw that's that's set aside. That's an example of Moksa kiss that you're not allowed to move for other things. So bottom line is here we have a very clear um, a very clear dispute about it. We have, after all said and done, different categories in Muksa. Uh, Reb Shimon, except for Muksa HaKas and Kis, if you have a Kli, Reb Shimon is always going to say you can move it. Uh, whether it's repulsive or whether it required an Isra to be done in the beginning of Shabbos, Reb Shimon is always going to say if it's a Kli, it's not Muksa. The only category Reb Shimon agrees to personally is Muksa Machas Chas and Kis. But what's the Halacha? How do we paskin? It looks like it's a bit of a compromise in the middle. <laughs> it looks like there's there's one opinion that's saying that Reb Shimon agrees to Muksa Machmas Isra. We have one opinion that he's masking to Muksa Machmas Mias um, in terms of how the Halacha is going to be paskin. Well,
Okay, so we get after it all is said and done in this complicated machlokas, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about Muksa in all the different cases, all the different circumstances. What's the bottom line? It's very difficult to make a mara <coughs> to come up with a bottom line about the way we rule. It's going to be somewhere in the middle uh, between the opinions of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Continues the mission. If you're in a a person is allowed to be made for a nedar and So how far is nedarim is is when a man uh, has the right to annul the, the vows that his wife takes. Uh, as long as it's something that pertains like to the to the intimacy of their marriage or something like that, then the Torah the, the Torah says that he has 24 hours, and we'll see in the Gemara whether it's that day or 24 hours <coughs> to decide whether or not he approves of the vow or not. And if he doesn't, he can annul it. So if he would like, the Gemara is saying you could do that even on Shabbos. It's not forbidden to do that on Shabbos. Someone may have said that maybe it's not something that can be done. Um, but still, we're saying that you're allowed to do it on Shabbos. And the Shal and the of Shabbos. And then there's Sheila for Nadarm. Sheila and Nadarm is all the way they got out of the Nether. Any person can go to a Chacham or to a Basin, explain why they don't like the Nether, why they regret taking the Nether. And that, therefore, can take them out of the binds of the Nether, and they would be able to get rid of it. And you can do that on Shabbos as long as it's something that's necessary for Tzorech of Shabbos. Now, What's the idea? For Tzorah HaShavos, for something that's necessary, the needs of Shabbos itself, it's okay. But you can't stop do it for something that doesn't pertain to Shabbos at all. Why? Because it's a, it's a certain idea of Mimso HaSochah. Mimso HaSochah is like you're dealing with your needs. It doesn't pertain to Shabbos at all. So to stop doing Mater Neder on Shabbos is not okay. But if it's something that pertains to Shabbos, it's something that's about Shabbos. Like, let's say there are some foods that you want to eat on Shabbos. A person, let's say, had a Neder. They weren't going to eat meat, right? So it would be Tzorah HaShavos now. <clears throat> to be modern and answer for me, for me. But if it was some random and had nothing to do with Shabbos, you don't have any reason why you'd be allowed to do that on Shabbos. Upoka came as a ma'ar, and you're allowed to, t- to temporarily close up a window on Shabbos. So this brings us back to an old question, whether you can do temporary building on Shabbos, like putting in a shutter into a window. The Mishnah is ruling that you're allowed to, because since it's only a very temporary thing, it closes the window, just putting in the shutter, that's not a problem. Modin is hamatlas. Now, now, we learn about measuring. So measuring on Shabbos, medida is, again, something you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to make exact measurements on Shabbos unless it's something that is a tzorach mitzvah, something that pertains to the needs of a mitzvah. So you can measure a rag, and the purpose is you want to know, is it the requisite shear of tumah? So that's an important need of measuring. It's not some you know random measuring. You're measuring in order to know whether or not it's makabal tumah. So you're allowed to do that. Modin is a mikvah. You can measure a mikvah to know if it has the right amount, if it, if it contains 40 cell of water. That, that can be done. They, they, they did all these things. They shuttered a window <coughs> with a uh, like a, a jug of, that was made of earthenware. And we'll see what was going on. Uh, then Gumar is going to explain to us what the story was. Why they're they're putting a, a, a earthenware jug in the window. They tied an earthenware cleat with a piece of grass. And they wanted to know if there was a if there was a hole in a barrel that was the size of the tefach. And again, we have to understand why in the world do they care if there was a, uh, a hole the size of a tefach in a barrel. We will see the circumstances in the in the in the Gemara. And from this we learn You see that you're allowed to temporarily shut or something. We see that you can temporarily measure that you can measure for a mitzvah, and we see that you can tie on Shabbos in a temporary way. From all those things, we see all these things in the story. But again, the details of the story will wait and see in the Gemara. Okay. So now we we learned in the Mishnah that you're allowed to be mefer on Shabbos, and a husband can can annul the, the vows that his wife takes on Shabbos. Then it said that you could be shoel on Shabbos for nedarim that are tzorech of Shabbos. 
So what about hafara? Does the hafara, to get a husband and know the wife, his wife's vows, even if it has nothing to do with Shabbos, or is it only mutter if it's for the needs of Shabbos? We wondered hafara, is hafara okay, whether or not it's necessary for Shabbos? And it's only for it's only for she'ela where you're going to the chacham that that's only mutter for Shabbos, but not if it's not for Shabbos. And why would we say that? I mean, yes, the Mishnah kind of implies that way, right? The Mishnah implies that way because it says you can be made for the Dharma on Shabbos. It doesn't specify it's for the needs for Shabbos. And then it says you could be shoel, you could go to the chacham only if it's for tzorah Shabbos. So, so the the idea could be the reason we're more mako is because on Shabbos it's more always more of a pressing need to do afar than she'ela. She'ela, there's no time frame. You can always go to a chacham, but hafara. You can only do on the day that the wife takes it takes an edder. So there's more of a pressing need to do it. So perhaps the rabbis were more were more lenient, and they uh, they said you could do it on Shabbos even if it doesn't pertain to the Torah of Shabbos at all. And that's why That's why in the Mishnah, which implies this way, the Mishnah splits them in, splits them up in two. It doesn't say you could be mefer and shoel on the darm that are Torah Shabbos. It says you can be mefer and a darm, and you can be shoel for the same Torah Shabbos. That's why it splits it up. Because hafara, you have more of a hetter. You have the hetter to do it even if it's not Torah Shabbos. Odomar, maybe we say hafara not Torah Shabbos. Hafara is also only mutter if it's for Torah Shabbos, but not if it's not if it's for other things. I think the only reason the Mishnah split them into two parts not because the halacha is different. And Afar is much even Shalas Torah Shabbos. The only reason we split them up is between Afar and Torah Basin. Because Afar doesn't need a court, right? It just the, the husband does it himself. But Shayla needs to go to a court. So that's why we split it up. But but actually, the din of them is just, we split them up just because, just because they're different. But the din is actually the same that you're only allowed to be made for Nidarim. You're only allowed to be made for Nidarim that are Litzorach of Shabbos. So that's the Gemara's question. Could a husband be made for an Adarm that aren't Litzorach Shabbos? Do I say it's the same status of Sheila where it's only Mutter if it's a Sar Shabbos, otherwise it's Asr because of Menshel Chafsacha? Or do we say that since it's more of a pressing need to be to, to be made for an Adarm because you only have that day, then maybe we're more makel and you can do it even if it's not Litzorach Shabbos. So Tashma, let's sing a proof. Tatani Zutis Ve'erapapi, Zutis Ve'erapapi said, it says in the price, if you're an Adarm Shabbos, it's Shabbos, you could take away the husband can annul the vows only if it's for Shabbos. So clearly we see in the bride, so Shabbos and Shalot Tzorah So you see that even Hafara, that the husband is annulling the, the vows of his wife, is only mutter if it's for Shabbos. Says the Gemara Lishna Akhrina, a second version of the way this inquiry happened. Yibaylu, we wanted When the Mishnah says it's mutter if it's for Shabbos, is it going back on both uh, Hatara and Hafara of Shalot Tzorah And it's not okay if it's Shalot Tzorah Shabbos. Alma Farsin Darmi Islays. And that would prove that Afaris and Dharam, you have 24 hours to do. In other words, it's not only the day that it's done. You have 24 hours may lays. So therefore, let's say the woman takes it Shabbos morning. It's not really such a pressing need to do it on Shabbos because you could do it Matzai Shabbos also. You have 24 hours on the clock. So since you have 24 hours on the clock, it's not an absolute need to do it on Shabbos. So that's why we're only going to be Mako for Hafara if it's for if it's for Torah Shabbos. Odomar maybe Kikitani Litzarak when the mission said Litzarak Hashelu it's going on Sheila when you go to the court Abla Faris and Dharma in regard to the husband being Nathan a Dharma where where he has to do it that day a usual Litzarak it would be okay for him even to do it if it wasn't a Torah Shabbos and the reason would be Abla Faris and Dharma Kolayom you only have that calendar day but you don't have twenty four hours so if the woman let's say took the took the vow on uh, eight o'clock in the morning on Shabbos he won't have twenty four hours till Sunday morning eight a.m. It will only have to the end of Shabbos. So even if the matter of the nether doesn't pertain to, to Shabbos, he'll still have the right to do it. Because if he doesn't do it today, he won't be able to do it. So in the second version of the Gemara, the question of whether you can be made for Nidharim on Shabbos that don't pertain to Shabbos, it depends on whether or not the right to annul vows is on the day, the calendar day, or it's 24 hours. If it's 24 hours, so it's not such a pressing need, you can do it after Shabbos. But if it's 
if it's something which is only on the calendar day itself, so then then it's always going to be a pressing need to do it on Shabbos, and the rabbis would be more lenient. They would let the husband do it, even if it was not, even if the content of the nether wasn't about Surah Shabbos. On that, the Gemara says, Tashma, the Tani Rav, Tudi Rav, Papi, which means of Shabbos, it's Surah Shabbos. You could enroll the vows on Shabbos only if it's necessary for Shabbos. The Surah Shabbos, inshallah, Surah Shabbos, only if the content of the wife's nether is for Surah Shabbos, not if it's Shalom, Surah Shabbos, Alma, Faraz, and Darmi, slays. And therefore, the takeaway is, why would we be must mean you have a full 24 hours to be made for the Darmi. You have a full 24 hours, so we, we have no reason to be lenient. We have no reason to be lenient for for for, for the woman, for the woman's um, vows to be annulled, unless it was L'Tzorech Shabbos. Says the Gemara, is that really the halacha? Then the Darim, you have Me'es Le'es, that you have a full 24 hours, not just that calendar. I'm Rabashi, we learned in a Mishnah, Parsha Darm Kala Yom. You could annul the vows the whole day. The fact that it's the whole day, it could sometimes be a Kula, it could sometimes be a Chumrah. You could sometimes have more time, you'll sometimes have less time. Kate said, Nezor, Lele Shabbos, she took the vow on Friday night. So then what? You have the entire next day until the end of Shabbos. Let's say she made it, you know, Shal Shudas, right before someone's going to say, you only have a few minutes to be made for the nether. If you don't do it by the time it gets dark, once it turns dark, you have already lost the right to announce. The mission is saying clearly that it has nothing to do with 24 hours. The mission is saying clearly that is the din in the calendar day. So that is what exactly what we just said, not like we just said that the reason why we're machmer, and we're, we could only be made for Nidarim, you could only be made for Nidarim on Shabbos at Ozar Shabbos. The reason why we're machmer is because you have a full 20, is because you have a full 24 hours to be made for the nether. So therefore, we don't have such a need to say that you could do it on Shabbos itself. So we're only make up at Ozar Shabbos. But here we see the halacha is that you could only be made for if it's on that calendar day. So now the kasha comes back. So the din should be that you should be able to be made for the Dharm, even the ones that aren't Lazar Shabbos. So the Gemara answers Tanahi, it's really Machlokas Tanahi, the Tanya says in a Brisa. One Tanah says, the first one called Ayom, it's the whole calendar day. No, it's the full 24 hours. So that's what it depends on. It's Machlokas Tanahi, and uh, depending on whether or not you have the 24 hours will now depend on the Shabbos, if you could be made for the Dharm, then aren't Lazar Shabbos. If you have a full 24 hours, so you can be made for the Dharm, even that aren't Lazar Shabbos, that you can only be made for the Dharm, Lazar Shabbos. So once it aren't Lazar Shabbos, you're not allowed to. Because, hey, you could do it after Shabbos. But if you only have that calendar day, that day that it was made, so then you could only be made for Nidarim. So then you could be made for Nidarim, even that are in the Torah Shabbos, because we have to be more lenient, because if you don't do it now, you're not going to be able to do it later. Okay, but Nishan Nidarim, then we said that you're allowed to be show off on Nidarim if they are Torah Shabbos. The Gemara says, we have a Shiloh. Is the hat there only if you didn't have time to do it before Shabbos? So then we're made called Sarah Shabbos now, and you didn't have time to do it before Shabbos, so then we're lenient. Or maybe, even if you had a chance to do it before Shabbos. That's the question of the Gemara. Are we lenient only if you didn't have time to do it before Shabbos? The Gemara answers Tashma. Once we're busy with Rav Zutra, the son of Rav Zutra, they were Matar's nether on Shabbos, even though he had time to do it before. So we see the Kula. That you could be shown a darim that our tzorach Shabbos, even though it, even though now it's Shabbos is true, even if you had actually a chance to do it before Shabbos as well. Okay, now we analyze, um, we analyze this case that we said normally there's an isra to measure on Shabbos. You're not allowed to measure on Shabbos. Uh, that's also a problem of of, of types of things. But if it's a tzorach, if it's a tzorach of a mitzvah. If it's a mitzvah need, then you're allowed to do it. So we said, like measuring a rag to know if it has ochos tama, measuring a mikvah would be okay. Both of those things would be okay. So the Gemara wants to, so then the Mishnah had a story 
So they were, they were parking the, the window, they shuttered up the window, and they did it with an earthenware clee, and they tied an earthenware clee with a, with a piece of grass to know, and they're trying to figure out if it's the size of a tevach. So what's the story? Omar Behud, Omar Rab. This is the story. There was once a narrow little alley between two houses. There was a dead body that was in the alley. Now, what's the halacha? Tumma spreads throughout the whole oil. That's the basic halacha. But what happened was, there was a cracked barrel that was on top of the two houses, that was on top of the dead body. Now, so what they did was, before they died, they shut they shut out the window of the house with an earthenware blast to make sure that no tumma would go into the house. Because if there would be like an open window into the house, then when the dead body would be there, what's going to happen is it's not going to stay in a self-contained area. It's going to spread into the, going to go through the window into the house because that's the halakha, what happens to the tumah. So they don't, they wanted to make sure that the tumah wasn't going to go into the bias. So therefore they wanted to make sure there was no holes in the window where it would go in. If there would be a, a, a considerable size in the hole, then the tumah would go in. So they wanted to shutter the window with an earthen flask to make sure that when he died, no tumah would go into the house. The kashers, as I'm, as I'm again, I mean, they tied an earthenware clee that was a, um, the clee was one tabach wide with a strand of grass, and they tried to pass it through the barrel. Laid them to know whether or not there was a, there was a, a hole of a tabach in the barrel. So what are we trying to figure out here? Because the halacha is that in mean, Tomas Oel, that it will it will make sure that anything that's that's together in the oil will spread throughout everything. So in other words, it's not going to be only to that room where it is, but any holes or anything that will go in, it will it will go there. So, but if there's a if there's going to be a significant hole in the roof that's right opposite the, the dead body, the tumma will just go straight through that hole and will not spread. So in the case of the Mishnah, it was covered by a barrel. Right, that's the case. It was covered by a barrel, but there was also a hole in the window. So if the size in the barrel was the size of a tefach, so they don't have to worry about it spreading through the window. Because what's gonna happen is that it's going to burst through that hole that's in the barrel, and then it won't go into that hole, into the into the hole in the window and won't spread to the house. But if the size of the barrel if the size of the barrel was not a tefach, so it's not going to burst there through there, then they have to worry that it's going to spread into the hole. So they weren't sure. So they covered their bases. On the one hand, what do they do? They plugged up the window. So that to make sure, they put the, the earthenware clear there to make sure that on the chance that the hole in the barrel was not, that the hole in the barrel was not a tefach, so then they covered their bases and they closed up the, the hole in the window to the home. But on the possibility that the hole in the barrel was a tefach, so it was going to go into there and not going to spread into the house, then they would be able to remove the clee that was shuttering the window. So they wanted to cover their bases. So on the one hand, they shuttered the window, but now on Shabbos, they also wanted to measure the size of the crack in the barrel. So that's what they did. Because as, as McGarry, they tied the earthenware clee that was a tabak wide to a piece of grass, and they tried to pass it through the crack in the barrel. So they're saying two things. On the one hand, we learned that from the fact that they're shuttering and the fact that they're shuttering the window, that you're allowed to temporarily shutter the window on Shabbos. That's one I think that we see. We see that you can measure the size of the tefach and the, we see that you can measure the size of the tefach in the barrel. Um, and that's not a problem measuring on Shabbos. And that's what the Mishnah said. Says the Gemara, we see a story about measuring on Shabbos. Ula once went to the house of the Reish Kolusa. Remember, the Rish Kalusa was like this character in Bubble who had political power. He was a Jew. He wasn't necessarily such a firm guy, but he he would he had power um, in 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 Bubble. Chazal Rabbi Barhunu, he saw Rabbi Barhunu. He was sitting in a in a bathtub of water. He's measuring the bathtub. 
So Amalei Ula said, Amar Damar Abonim, he did the mitzvah. The Rabbanim only make to measure if you're doing a mitzvah. The La Mitzvah, the Amar, you're not allowed to measure on Shabbos if it's not for a mitzvah. So how are you allowed to measure out this bathtub? It's not talking about anything that is specific to a mitzvah. So Amalei, so he said, Mitzvah Ba'amana. It's a very strange line in the Gemara, meaning he's not measuring for any purpose. He's not doing it for anything. He's just like, Doing it for no reason. So it's very, very difficult to understand exactly what the Gemara is saying. But um, it sounds like the Gemara is saying that, that he just misunderstood. He was thought he was measuring for a reason. He was just busy. Okay, he's just misathic. He's not doing it for any reason. So the rabbis didn't impose uh, the Xera. So bottom line is, to measure for no reason, just because you're bored, that's not a problem. To measure for a reason that's not a mitzvah, that's awesome. And if you're measuring for a mitzvah, then that, in fact, could be okay.